0: well good morning how are y'all this morning everybody good awesome awesome well uh, as uh, Jackson said my name's Jeremy and I have the privilege of serving as the campus pastor here at the Hills West Fort Worth and I have I'm just excited to get to preach today I'm really excited about what Rick just sh- just shared and so uh, plan to be here the next two weeks you don't want to miss what God has for our church and Rick sharing with us the next two Sundays um, so, I'm really glad you're here this morning. And I mean that because normally uh, we don't share when I'm preaching, but Bailey put it on Facebook and you're still here. And I'm really excited about that. So, thank you for being here this morning. The question I want to start us off with today is Have you ever felt hesitant to say yes when God puts an opportunity in front of you? to serve. Maybe, maybe you see somebody on the side of the road with a flat tire, or you're, you're in a parking lot about ready to leave, and you see somebody with a dead battery, and, and you can tell they need help, but just as quickly as you notice it, you start to have the reasons come into your brain why you can't stop and help right now. Or maybe it's in your family. You, you have these opportunities that arise to serve your spouse, or to serve your kids, or to serve others who are part of your family, but just as quickly as you notice them, you start to remember all the things on your plate, all the stuff that's going on at work, all of the reasons why you can't right now. Or maybe you've been here for a while, a part of our church. You've heard all the ways that you can jump in and be a part of the mission that God has called us to here at the Hills. Joining our home team serving in our kids' ministry, being a part of our guest services ministry, or any one of the many areas to serve. But just as quickly as those opportunities arise, so do the reasons not to, and we hesitate. And before you know it, that hesitation has translated into never taking a step. I think if we're honest, we've probably all been there at one time or another. I know that I have. You know, I'm a pastor because the Lord has called me to serve. And yet even within that calling, there are times where where I feel inadequate or I feel unequipped or I feel unsure and I hesitate. The truth is that many followers of Jesus have experienced that same hesitation. It's a hesitation that if we're not careful leads to paralyzation. Many of us have been paralyzed by feelings of inadequacy or feelings of being unprepared when it comes to stepping out into the opportunities that God puts in front of us. And today, we're going to spend some time in one of my favorite passages of Scripture, seeing what we can learn about moving from hesitation to activation, because God wants to activate you in the kingdom of Jesus. So if you would, open up your Bibles, or you can uh, use the Bible app on your device to John chapter 6. Now this particular miracle of Jesus that we're going to look at is the only one that's found in all four of the Gospels, and because of that, we can learn some things about this story that we don't read in this account in John. We learn from Matthew that this happens just after Jesus learns that his cousin John the Baptist has been beheaded. Jesus is grieving. He's worn out physically and emotionally. It says that after Jesus heard that news about his cousin, he withdrew by boat to a private and solitary place. He tried to get away from the crowd. He tried to have some time to himself. He needed rest, but the crowd followed. So let's begin reading in verse 1 of chapter 6. After this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went. Because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, Where can we buy bread to feed all of these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, Even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, Now gather the leftovers, so nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled twelve baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. When the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, Surely he is the prophet We have been expecting. So even in spite of his need for a break, Jesus sees this crowd coming his way and immediately recognizes the needs of the people. He saw that they were hungry. These men, women, and children had been following him for a long way, and they had physical needs. But Jesus also recognized that these people had great spiritual needs as well. Even though they didn't know it, they were following Jesus because their hearts were empty. They were physically hungry, but they were spiritually starving. And rather than focusing on his own reality, Jesus took action to meet their needs, both physical and spiritual And in his response, Jesus shows us that if we want to move from hesitation to activation in the kingdom of God, it requires us to take action over excuses. It would have been easy for Jesus to worry about how he felt, to worry about his own needs in that moment. No one would have questioned him, his disciples wouldn't have questioned him. They knew he was tired. They knew he was grieving. They were grieving too. No one would have blamed him if he just sent the crowd away and said, you know what, guys, I I just don't feel up to it today. His reasons were valid. And no one would have questioned him. No one would have said he was making excuses. And yet sometimes we are really, really quick To let our circumstances and our reality become excuses for why we don't take action when God gives us an opportunity to serve. And we see this tendency in his disciples. They had all kinds of excuses immediately. Where in the world are we going to get enough food for this crowd? Even if we worked for months, we couldn't earn enough money to buy enough food for all of these people. And if we did have the food, how How in the world would we distribute it to this many people? All of these questions, they're valid questions, that Jesus doesn't allow to become excuses for not meeting the needs of these people. He quickly called his disciples to action. Bring me that boy's lunch. Tell everyone to sit down. He takes the bread and he prays and he breaks it and he distributes it. And then he does the same with the fish. His disciples didn't have time to sit in excuses because Jesus quickly moved them to action. You know, I'm reminded of one of the heroes of the Old Testament, Moses, whom God called to lead his people out of slavery in Egypt. But when God called Moses, he hesitated. And he started to list excuse after excuse after excuse And so often, like Moses, our response when God calls is to list all of the excuses, all of the reasons that we aren't the right person. And in doing so, we question God's wisdom in calling us. You know, all of this makes me think of our dear sister, Dora Chazaretta. That's Dora, her husband, Steve, on the Sunday we opened this facility. You know, if you know Dora then you know that she has been through one thing after another after another over the last several years uh, in battle with her health. Uh, She she just passed away this past past week. And, you know, most recently, it it felt like uh, it, it was just one thing again and again and again, and she couldn't catch a break. And she ended up having to have her leg amputated. But just a couple of weeks... After that surgery, I walked in our front doors, and Dora is sitting in our atrium in her wheelchair with a huge smile on her face, ready with a hug, ready to greet anyone who came in, serving as part of the red team. You know, Dora passed away just a week ago Thursday. The Sunday before she died, she served with the red team. You know those of us who were at her service this past week, we heard that this was the story of Dora's life. Action over excuses. And it should be ours as well. But I think at the heart of it, often, we're like Moses. When he finally just said, God, I don't want to. Please pick somebody else, right? We just don't want to say yes to the thing that God may be calling us to. And so maybe one of the most important action steps we could take today is just to start to talk to God, just to ask him to continue his work in us, to change our hearts from being more selfish to being more selfless, that he would continue his work in us. May, we may not be ready for everything that he puts in front of us. But we can ask him to make us willing. Because when we're hesitant to step out and serve, what matters most to God is willingness over readiness. Think about this little boy in the story. No one in the crowd would have said that that little boy mattered that day. That what he was carrying in his basket would would not only become the provision for all of those people but also the basis for one of the most important sermons that Jesus ever preached. This was one little boy in a massive crowd with a couple of small fish and some pieces of bread but he had been chosen by God to be a significant piece of Jesus's redemptive plan not just that day but for all of human history. God called, and that little boy was willing. And I doubt that anyone in that crowd would have looked at him and said, you're ready to be used by God today in such a big way. No one knew that after that moment, every person who ever trusts in Jesus would hear about the example of that little boy. And no one knew, certainly not that boy, that Jesus would use him to show all of those people who he really was. And when God calls us, when God gives us opportunities to serve, we don't know how he may use us either. But what we do know is that no one is useless to God. We all have Something to offer. The Lord knows us. He knows where we are. He knows what we have. And he knows how he can use you and me. He's the author writing our stories. He can do eternally amazing things with the little fragments that we have in our baskets to offer him. I think of when God called the prophet Jeremiah... Let me read a few verses from Jeremiah chapter 1. It says this beginning in verse 4 The Lord gave me this message. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. O sovereign Lord, I said, I can't speak for you. I am too young. The Lord replied, Don't say I'm too young. For you must go wherever I send you and say, whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you and will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. So God calls Jeremiah, and Jeremiah's response is, I'm too young. I'm not ready. But God replies by telling Jeremiah, Jeremiah, I know you. I formed you, I consecrated you, I I set you apart for a purpose, and I have appointed you. Followers of Jesus, this is true for you and me as well. God knows us, he formed us, he consecrated us, and he has appointed us for works in his kingdom. And so I want us to say those four things together Repeat this after me. God knows me. God formed me. God consecrated me. And God appointed me. Friends, it's true. And he doesn't make mistakes. Our willingness is so much more important than our readiness. God sees us more clearly than we can see ourselves. He sees things in us that we can't possibly see in ourselves. And we have to remember that God sees the whole picture while we see just a small part of it. And when we realize that we're hesitating, that we're not stepping forward into something that God has for us, it's important that we step back and we trust God's vision over our vision. Do you think the disciples had any clue what Jesus was going to do when they were heading out to that mountainside? Do you think they knew what his plan was, how he was going to feed all of those people, or how he was going to use that little boy's lunch? Do, they think, do you think they believed that Jesus could move in such a way? Do you think if they knew what was coming, they would have gone anyway? Or would they have hesitated thinking about this huge crowd of hungry and potentially angry people? Would that that cause them to hesitate? Even though Jesus could see the whole picture, he graciously walked his disciples forward step by step, giving them only what they needed for each step of the way. And he does the same for us. We have to learn to trust God's vision over our vision. I think of Gideon. God used Gideon to lead the Israelites in defeating the Midianites with just 300 men. But when the angel of the Lord approached Gideon, Gideon hesitated. He, he lacked confidence. He was afraid. And yet, God addressed him as mighty. Warrior. God saw something in Gideon that Gideon couldn't see in himself. And God had huge plans for him, plans that Gideon never would have believed if God had revealed it all to him at once. But God was patient and he was gracious and he shared just one step at a time so that Gideon could follow. He gave him just what he needed for each step of the way, and Gideon followed, trusting God's vision over his own. I think of my friends Ken and Diane Branch. I met Ken and Diane shortly after they decided to come over to the West Fort Worth campus from the North Richland Hills campus. If you've met them, especially Ken, he's really hard to forget. They're amazing folks, but I remember this conversation with them. They told me they had been a part of our North Richland Hills campus for some time, and they'd grown comfortable. After they're raising their kids and their kids leaving the house, they've been following Jesus for a long time, and in Ken's words, he said, we've been sitting on the bench. You know, unlike most sports teams, Team Jesus doesn't have bench warmers. Every follower of Jesus is given a first string spot on the team with a vital role to play. And Ken and Diane heard God calling them off the bench and putting them back in the game. And he called them to come to West Fort Worth at a time when we were preparing to move into this facility. There were huge things going on and God was moving in big ways and God had things for Ken and Diane in that process for us. And with that came leaving a community they'd lived in for quite a while near our North Richland Hills campus and moving to this side of town into a new community with all new people. And I've watched since that day as God has used Ken and Diane both over and over and over and over again in this place, calling them to serve in ways that they never could have imagined for themselves. But every step of the way, They've said, yes, they've stepped out in faith, and I couldn't begin to count the number of ways they've impacted this place. But what if God had told them in the beginning all of the things that he had for them? I can tell you for sure, because Ken has told me, if God had said, you're going to step out and lead a community group for the very first time, he would have said, whoop, I'm out, (laughs) right? But God called him to that. If God had told him he was going to get involved in respite nights, that he and Diane were going to serve families with kids who have special needs, or that they were going to be a part of Menders for the Master, or that they'd end up leading our red team as a part of our home team, or if he'd given them all the ups and downs of the last four or five years. I don't know that they would have taken the first step. But he graciously called them to just take one. And he gave them what they needed, each step of the way. And they've trusted him, knowing that he wants good things for them and that he'll give them just exactly what they need. We have to trust God's vision over ours. What does God see that you can't see? What does he see in you that you can't see in yourself? And speaking of God's vision, as Rick shared a few minutes ago, over the next couple of Sundays, he's gonna share with us what God has for our church over the next five years and church i couldn't be more excited god's been going before us setting things in motion making connections opening our eyes to the places he's leading us and the places he's working and he sees your place in it all he sees the value that you offer bringing whatever it is that's in your basket and saying, God, I give it all to you. He sees what you bring because his vision is bigger than any one of us can accomplish alone. And I can't wait to see what he's going to do in the coming years. You know, as I reflect more on this miracle, Jesus feeding this massive crowd, another thing that strikes me when it comes to moving from hesitation to activation, is that God, what matters most to God is our availability over our ability. I wonder, what if that little boy had said no? When that disciple approached him, what if he'd turn and ran off in the crowd? What if his mom and dad had said, oh, whoa, 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 that is our lunch. What are we supposed to eat if we give this to you? But that's not what happened. The little boy was available when Jesus called, selflessly offering up his little meal. And Jesus did with that offering what only the Son of God can do. That little boy had no skills to offer. He had no part to play other than making available what he had. And by God's incredible power, a crowd of thousands was satisfied by physical food while simultaneously being pointed to the eternal source of spiritual food as well. Jesus doesn't require us to have special talents or skills. He doesn't need us to be trained or equipped. He doesn't need our expertise or our past experience. He just asks us to bring him all that we have. And when we do, He multiplies what we bring him in miraculous ways. He'll take the slightest offering and use it in ways that we could never even imagine. I absolutely love this story because the idea of Christ doing the miraculous through this little boy in the midst of this massive crowd, it just resonates with me. The boy never received any glory. Only Jesus did. But what he brought to Jesus in that basket had bigger and more lasting had a bigger and more lasting impact than he would have ever known or imagined. And the same is true of what we bring to Jesus as well. I want to show you another picture. The lady in the middle, that's Miss Nancy Rop. I've known Miss Nancy my entire life. She still goes to church at the little church in Illinois where I grew up. I'm showing you her picture because God has used this woman in my life to encourage me and grow me more into the likeness of Jesus in more ways than I can count. I can't even begin to remember all the times and all the ways God has used her. But I can tell you this, I am the man I am today, I'm the pastor I am today, I'm the follower of Jesus that I am today, in part because of Nancy Robb's influence on my life. I remember as a young boy having her as a Bible class teacher. I don't remember a single lesson she taught, but I remember her kindness, I remember her love, I remember her presence, and I remember her smile. I remember her always being there, always ready in my growing up years with a word of encouragement or a word of wisdom. I remember when I was in high school and I needed to get a job and I didn't want just any job, I wanted a job that would make a difference in our community. And Miss Nancy helped me get a job at the daycare center that she worked at in an under-resourced part of our city. So as a junior in high school, I became Miss Nancy's teacher's aide. And I, um, I remember when my dad died my senior year of high school. I remember her presence. I remember her kindness. I don't remember specific words she said to me, but I remember that she was there as my whole world seemed to crumble. And my dad loved Miss Nancy, too, because she had as much influence on him over the course of his life as she's had on me. I remember when I was a young student minister in Houston, and I decided to take my students on a mission trip to central Illinois to try to encourage this little church I grew up in when they were struggling. And guess who was there all week long encouraging me pouring into me but maybe even more impactful to me pouring into my students Miss Nancy she won't wow you with amazing teaching ability though I remember her classes fondly she doesn't have a huge platform but she has influenced more than I can count by the standards of our world She doesn't have a lot in her basket. But what she has, she offers completely to God for him to use for his glory. And and he has used her in the lives of more children who have grown into faithful followers of Jesus, who are having an impact for the kingdom of Jesus, than I could possibly begin to count. And he's still using her today at 84 years old. It's, I've shared before that the last 18 months or so in ministry and in my life have been some of the hardest I've ever walked in. And this last summer, my family and I had a chance to go on a trip uh, to Arkansas to spend some time with my mom and my sisters. And my mom, while we were there, brought me this little package. And in it were these things this is a, a Christmas tree ornament that says, Merry Christmas, Mrs. Ropp, love Jeremy Glover. I gave this to Miss Nancy during my kindergarten year in 1989. And it came with this card, and the card says this. Jeremy, 32 years ago, you gave me this. I've kept it ever since. It goes on my Christmas tree each year, and I think of you. To me, it's a token of the love that we share in knowing the love of Jesus. You knew about his love as a young child, and you shared it with me and others. Now, I'm giving it back to you in appreciation of the love that you shared with me 32 years ago. God blessed me in letting me have a small part in your life. I'm proud of you. And I know that God is proud of you as well. I'm 38 years old. I've been away from central Illinois longer than I lived there. I don't see Miss Nancy often. But even at 84 years old, she's still taking what she has and offering it to God. And he's using her. He used her yet again to give me a word of blessing and encouragement when I needed it. May we all be more like Miss Nancy. Because, friends, here's the bottom line. God doesn't need any of us, but he wants all of us. He wants us to offer him everything, to bring our baskets saying, Lord, I don't have much, but what I have I give to you. I give you my heart and everything else as well. Christianity isn't an observational faith. It's a participatory faith faith. We have to move from hesitation to activation. Get off the bench and get in to the game. To say yes without hesitation to those opportunities that God puts in front of us. Knowing that He will also give us just what we need when we just take a step. Because He knows us. He formed us. He consecrated us, and he has appointed us for works in his kingdom. Whether it be stepping out, saying yes, and serving in our kids' ministry as a kids' Bible study, Bible, group, uh, Bible study group leader. Or being a mentor for a fourth grader for an hour and a half a month through Academy 4. Whether it's serving as a part of our home team and guest services or one of the other many areas Or stepping out and saying yes to one of the many things you're going to hear about that are part of our new vision. Wherever you are, God will use you. And he has good things for you. Because follower of Jesus, when you walk into a room, light walks in. Hope walks in. Encouragement, love, grace, Mercy walks in. The very Spirit of God that is inside of you walks into the room. And the room changes. And God is using you. He's at work in you and through you. He wants to move us from hesitation to activation. We never know what He might ask or when He might ask it. But we do know that he takes great delight in bringing the realities of the kingdom of Jesus into this world through us. So let's offer every part of ourselves to him. May we not hold anything back. Let me pray for us. Oh, Father, you are so good to us, and you are trustworthy. Father, you see things that we can't possibly see. And Father, you love us beyond what we can possibly understand. God, would you forgive us when we doubt? Would you forgive us when we forget? That you invite us in to your story. That you take great delight and great joy and using us as your partners to help the kingdom of heaven break through. God, would you do that work on our hearts? Make us less selfish and more selfless. Help us know, Father, when you're calling us to take a step. And may we respond in faith, offering everything that we have to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, our our prayer team have taken their places. And I want to just ask you, have you given everything to Jesus? Have you given your heart to him? We would love to help you take that step today if you never have. So come to any one of these prayer teams. You can go to our prayer room. We'd love to talk to you about that. We'd love to see you be baptized, surrendering your life to him. Or maybe you just need to go and pray and ask God to help you see the opportunities that are in front of you, to give you the courage to say yes, to step out and make a difference. Whatever you need, won't you respond as we worship?